Good morning. It's Easter Sunday morning 2020. Here's our reading for this week from John's Gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw that the linen wrapping was lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, but not lying with the other linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because... I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say this to them. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. This might be the strangest Easter day any of us have spent. For those of us who are part of the Clayton Wesley congregation gathered most Sundays, this is now the third Sunday we've not been able to gather together. But it's not just a part of our lives now, this strangeness. It was a very a big part of the first Easter day. And, and every year we are faced with reading this story of the resurrection. But it's so strange that we don't really know what to do with it. it 
how did we deal with uncomfortable, strange stories like this one? And, and this is so central to the experience of faith. All the great creeds talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Sometimes it seems to me like we deal with the resurrection story like we do with the, the kind of ubiquitous racist uncle who turns up once a year at family gatherings. We don't ever know what to do with him. Do we confront him when he casually starts to spew racist language as if somehow everyone in the, in the family agrees with him? Well, we know that if we do that, we might cause all kinds of problems. And so the other choice is to we sort of grin and bear it and knowing that it'll all be over soon and we won't need to see him again for another whole year. Or do we, it's, it's as if we, we kind of choose to deal with it that way, sort of hoping that it'll all go away again because it's so complicated and so strange. Or do we just turn off our rational brains and say, well, the church keeps saying this must be true and it doesn't make any sense that someone could come to life again, but I believe it even if it doesn't make sense and that's really all there is to it and, and I don't want to talk about it. There's very difficult to know what to deal with it, to how to deal with it. Well, one way to deal with it, of course, is if it's a strange story, let's just let it be strange. And it really is strange. First of all, it's not actually a story about the resurrection. If you look at all four Gospels, they don't actually tell us about the resurrection. What we have is stories about how people responded to this thing called the resurrection, not the experience itself. You go back and read them, and, and the one we've just read, it happens after the resurrection. We've got the story of the empty tomb. Well, why do we have it? Is it because no one else was present in the moment of Jesus' resurrection? Uh, well, except that most Gospels have guards who were at the tomb. Did, did they see something? And why don't we have what they saw written into the stories? And it's not as if the Gospel writers are reluctant to write parts of Jesus' story where no one else was present. Remember right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, here's the temptation in the wilderness. Well, none of the disciples were present for that story. And at the end of Jesus' ministry, just before his arrest, Jesus is praying in the garden. The disciples are left in one, in one area of the garden. He goes on by himself and we get a report of that, but no one was present. So it's not as if they're reluctant to do that. But here, perhaps, we've got a story that is so strange that nothing could be, could be said about it that would make any sense. Whatever happened in what we call the resurrection is outside of human experience. Because to describe something, we have to do it in relation to something else. When people have described their experiences of seeing aliens, whether you accept those to be true experiences or not, whether they have a, a, a hallucinations or they're just fanciful thinking or that they really happened, regardless, in order to explain them to us, they have to tell them in relation to something else. So we often, the, the sort of classic one is flying saucers. Well, we know what a saucer looks like and we kind of understand what flying looks like. So in order to explain this completely, literally alien thing, we have to describe it in ways that relate to things we know. And maybe the gospel writers knew that couldn't happen, so they don't describe it at all. 
So we don't know exactly what happened, but we do have responses to it. And not only that, we have these responses in today's reading, but we will have responses to it for the next Sundays of Easter, because Easter doesn't finish today. Um, when you can go, hopefully, maybe if you're uh, if you're ke- keeping social distancing, you can go to the shops on Tuesday and you'll buy cheap Easter eggs because it's all done. But in the church world, in the calendar of the church, we have seven more Sundays that are the Sundays of Easter. So we've got a lot of time to look at the way people responded and reacted. Let's look just briefly at the way people responded in our text. First, we've got Mary. She saw the empty tomb and she made a bunch of assumptions. She worked from what she knew, which is all we can ever do. So somebody is obviously, the, the grave is empty. Somebody had taken the body. Um, was it grave robbers? Uh, was it people who wanted to uh, move the body for their own purposes? She had no idea, but she assumes that's obviously what's happened. And she assumes that the person she meets in the garden uh, at, at the tomb is the gardener. Was the other disciple, we don't really know Peter's response, but the other disciple, it says he believed. But but what did he believe? That maybe the worst thing that could happen that was death could actually get worse in that not only as someone they loved died, but had been removed from the grave, which doesn't allow them to do the things that were important to be done in their culture to finish a death. We have the same concerns at the moment in that if we lose someone that we love in this time of the coronavirus only a small number of us can gather for the funeral and it's not right because there are things we must do for each other when we're gone so it seems like maybe he believed that not only was death bad but there's even a worse thing or or maybe he just believed that what was done and dusted with death has gotten even worse and it's still done because the gospel seems to say that he didn't really understand what was going on either they didn't understand what it meant that Jesus was to rise from the dead and so they responded as we do when something happens outside of our experience as some of us are doing now in the middle of coronavirus they respond with confusion with fear, maybe with anger and with disappointment and despair and maybe sometimes, and some of us may be experiencing that now a strange kind of joy because life is a bit different we've all felt these things and as I said, all through the next seven weeks we'll see different responses something is impossible to imagine has happened the idea that someone could become alive again after they're dead is impossible to imagine and it was no less impossible to imagine in the first century uh, than than it is now it can't be described but whatever it was changed things for the disciples and this is the story we know in the rest of the New Testament is that they began to see the world differently if it's true that death cannot stop life if it's true that power the power of Rome to kill and destroy isn't the real power if it's true that death is not the end but in fact a new beginning that changes everything we know about the world and when you think about it we're living in a kind of impossible moment at the at this at this moment with the coronavirus it's it's not just the horror of so many deaths 
and the pain of being separated and the fear of what might happen next. But we've also seen amazing things happen. You know that for 25 years, people have, have uh, fought for a rise in what used to be called the New Start Allowance, now called Job Seeker. It's been too low and everyone's recognised that, but neither the current government nor the previous Labour government were at all interested in making any changes to that. And now all of a sudden, because of this happening, something we were told was impossible to do, we've now had an increase in the, in the, the now Job Seeker Allowance that is far larger than anyone dared hope for or in fact campaigned for. We've been able to house homeless people in hotels all over Australia. We've managed to put a, a moratorium on people being evicted because they can't pay their rent. We've in fact combined, for a time at least, a true national healthcare system where we've got the private hospitals uh, working together with the public system. These are things we were told couldn't happen and would, would never happen, suddenly happening everywhere we've been able to support people in a way that we'd never thought was possible. So we're living in impossible times too, when things we didn't think could happen, did happen, are happening. Makes us wonder what will happen next, doesn't it? So what do we do with the resurrection story? Well, I think what the gospel is asking us to do is nothing. Just sit with the stories. And what a good time to do that that this is with all of the the fear and the pain and the confusion that we're having to live with we are given time some of us lots of time to sit quietly and not do anything but just be with the stories don't rush to believe or disbelieve don't rush to figure out the facts to organize it don't try and interrogate the story for the one possible meaning so that we can all be on the same page. I think one way of doing it is, is, to, is to sit with it, is to treat it like we do a poem. Now, those of us who turn up to Clayton Wesley every week um, and sit in the pews, um, and for, for good or for real, depending on how you feel about this, we enjoy or endure a poem that I choose nearly every week. And I do that because, well, first of all, I love poetry. But the reason I love poetry is because it invites us to look at things in a different way. It's not a, a laundry list of things to do or not do. It's a, a an exploratory way into something that is really important. Uh, and some of those poems do that beautifully for us and others don't because we each have different experiences of things. So one poem you'll like and one you won't like, one will, will illuminate things for you and one will leave you cold. But the important thing about a poem is it, it doesn't need to be explained. It's not, you can't ask a poem, what does it mean? You can only ask a poem, what, is it, what does it invite me to feel or experience? How does it lead me into another way of exploring whatever the poem is about? Sometimes you might need a, a few pointers from a poem. If we have a poem, say, from the 19th century, there might be some words in there that we just need one or two uh, bits explained so that it's not too obscure. 
Uh, we might want to know why it was written. Um, it was written for uh, the birth of a baby or it was written at the death of someone that the poet loved. Those tiny little bits. But the important thing is to sit with the poem and just let it be. And I think that's how we ought to be treating the resurrection stories. We've got, as we say, seven more Sundays in Easter to explore it, to sit with it, to let it be strange for us, to let it filter into our lives and imagine what does life look like if death is not the end? What does life look like for me? How does, do I experience life if the great powers of the world are overturned and we're experiencing that a bit now in governments like our own who were against doing all of the things that they've done in the last few weeks um, uh, and uh, who are now doing them all for the benefit of ordinary people all to make sure that no one gets left behind and there are still holes in that and, and some of us are working for that if you're interested in the work that people are doing around refugee and asylum seekers there's still a lot of people being left out of this uh, of the packages of, of rescue uh, on the virus issue but but you know we're generally working in this direction and these are things that are really um, different than we've ever experienced and and we need to sit with them and imagine what they feel like what will it look like now 12 months from now hopefully when we've lifted some of the restrictions and we're able to go to some kind of normal life will it be the same as the life we've had or will the things that have happened to us invite us into a new way of thinking a new way of caring for each other a new way of making sure we don't leave anyone behind these are things that we can sit with at the moment and imagine what they will happen imagine what will happen and imagine how the world can be if these things are true if it's true that death is not the end if it's true that new life comes out of death if that's true how do we live now now I can't tell you how to do that in fact you can't tell yourself how to do it I can't tell myself how to do it we live with it and see what happens and let's finish off with the very end of the story of, of our text Mary is still there. The others have left and gone home, which in itself is a strange little verse, isn't it? They've had this extraordinary experience. Either something miraculous has happened, as they later understand, or someone has stolen the ma the man they loved, the body of the man they loved. And, and rather than react to that or do something, they go home. That in itself is worth just sitting with and imagining what that means. Why do we know that in the text? Anyway, put that aside. Mary stays put. And at the end of the story, she says to, her, to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now in John's Gospel, this is crucial. In John's Gospel, it's always about seeing. The people who see are the ones who have the deep insight they're the ones who are enlightened, who have revelation. They're the ones who literally live in the light. And so anyone who sees in John's gospel, that's a clue that they are, they are beginning to understand the world as it ought to be, as it truly is, as Jesus and God want it to be. Jesus himself said in chapter 14 of John, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You have seen the, the and by Father, uh, 
Jesus means you have seen the everything, the universal everything, the meaning and the purpose and the totality of the world. You have seen all there is to see. You are fully enlightened, if you like. This is what Mary, Mary does. And we don't know how long it takes between her seeing the gardener, discovering that it's Jesus, and going to the disciples and saying, I have seen the Lord. But that's what we're being invited to do. Not all of a sudden, not now, to sit with it and to imagine this seeing over the next, maybe over the next seven weeks, maybe over the next seven months, maybe over the rest of our lives, we are invited to sit with the story of the resurrection and to see. Amen.